Welcome to season six of Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century and beyond. I'm Andy Redwine, and with me, as always, is my co-host for whom madness and brilliance are two traits that coincide, Larry Brenner. How are you, Larry? I am doing well. We're back, Andy. We're back. We're back, baby. (laughs) And And with a great movie. Um, I mean, I mean, I mean, this is what people have been asking us to do for quite some time. Uh, We are covering Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, the first one from 2003. Yes, yes. And we'll discover more about that curse as we go through here, right? Um, So we had a big question from a listener. Is it Caribbean? Is it Caribbean? Is it Caribbean? And why? I mean, I hesitated when I even said it, and <laughs> and I had made I had made a mental note. I had made a mental note to myself to listen to what the pirates say and call it, and go with that. And there was so much else going on in the movie, I forgot to do that. <laughs> well, I did some digging because that's who I am, and it's the kind of nerdery that people have come to appreciate from this podcast. So while there appear to be several pronunciations based on regional differences in the region. Uh, there are also seems to be a difference between whether you're using the term as a noun or as an adjective. Oh, wow. Caribbean for the noun, but Caribbean for the adjective. So you would say Pirates of the Caribbean, but maybe Caribbean food or Caribbean music. Okay, because we can square this. There was at one point a singing Kermit the Frog doll. Right? Mm-hmm. right. And one of the songs, if you pushed on his hand, he would sing, I'm a Caribbean amphibian. So if you want to remember ah. that it's an adjective, Kermit would describe himself as a Caribbean amphibian. Although he comes from the Everglades. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> maybe it's just, maybe it's just fooling around. Well, so, and also given there's an indigenous tribal people of the region known as Carib, right? Yes. Or, uh, so those most of those natives do pronounce the word with emphasis on the first and third syllables. So Caribbean is the way to go here. If you go to Disney World, Walt Disney World or Disneyland and you ask people, what's the name of the ride? They will say Pirates of the Caribbean. They always do. So that's it. So that's what I got. I am now terrified. I'm going to say it wrong throughout the rest of the podcast. (laughs) Listener, please forgive me. Please forgive me. It's fine. I, yes, I just, I just, I, yeah, again, this is the full service that we provide on this yeah. podcast. <laughs> it's a the de- deep dive, right? A definitive answer that we don't fully understand. Congrats. <laughs> we did it. All right. Well, some key facts uh, to get things going. Most people knew the Pirates of the Caribbean attraction first at Disneyland and then at Walt Disney World. Um, they're animatronic pirates in a water ride. If you haven't been on it, you should go. Uh, there's a catchy Walter, or sorry, there's a catchy George Bruins and Xavier Atencio tune that sticks in your head. Yo ho, yo ho. That's you know, yep, yep, yep. It will stick in your yeah. It will stick in your head while you're you know sucking down your Dole Whip later. Lots of fun. The Disneyland version is actually the last ride that Walt Disney himself participated in designing. And it opened three months after he passed away. Oh, bummer. I know. But in recent years, there have been a number of changes to reference this film franchise. And several of the original scenes in the attraction do make its way into this film. 
the dog with the keys outside the prison, for example. Oh yeah, for for sure. My 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 kids were like, "Hey, that's just from the ride." They noticed that right. immediately. Right. So Disney executives roughed out a version of a movie based on this ride, and the project went through four hands of screenwriters. Uh, Jay Walpert, who wrote The Count of Monte Cristo, crafted the initial version uh, based on the ride where Will Turner was a prison guard who releases Jack Sparrow to save Elizabeth. So pretty piratey. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter uh, wrote a story about this. They claimed that Stuart Beatty was brought in because he was kind of a pirate buff. And then two additional Disney writers, Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio, came on board because they pitched this idea in the early 1990s. And they were the two who added the supernatural spin. Okay. Once the supernatural spin happened, then producer Jerry Bruckheimer got a lot more interested, which is why I think we have such great explosions and epic scene artistry that we've come to expect from films of his. And if you can believe this, Disney almost didn't release this movie. They almost went direct to video. What? I know. And it's probably a good thing they didn't because the movie made $654.3 million at the box office in 2003 and launched this entire franchise, which kept a lot of people working, I think. Imagine the world. Imagine the world in which this was released straight to DVD. I can't. I well, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of great cast in this movie, but a lot of people turned it down out of fear it wouldn't do well at the box office. I mean, there had been other movies based on Disney rides that just had not done well. Um, so, for example, Robert De Niro was originally offered the role of Captain Jack Sparrow. Uh, he turned it down because he didn't think it would be any good. I wonder how he feels about his prediction now. And of course, Johnny Depp, who does an amazing job as Captain Jack, gets a lot of awards, including an Oscar nomination for Best Actor, which I want to talk about in a little while. This this strikes me, this fear to release it because other movies based on rides didn't do well, is that sloppy sort of pseudoscience thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not about, source material is great. Execution is what makes a movie good. You know, right. IP is Agreed. IP has value if you execute it well. So to be like, Correct. oh, Haunted Mansion didn't do particularly well, so Pirates of the Caribbean won't do well. That's nonsense. Execute right. something well, audiences will respond to it. And there were certainly enough players uh, to execute this. And I think, um, you know, I think the movie has some flaws looking at it from 2023 eyes. Oh, for sure. In 2003, this is as epic as titanic so i'm glad that you mentioned that there are flaws because because as you know i leave no (laughs) no nit unpicked right um i want to say up front i like this movie i like this movie a lot i'm afraid about the mountain of going into plot here this movie is long oh yeah it's so long and while i love it there were parts where i was like Ooh, I'm going to need some caffeine to stay awake here. The fight yeah. scenes go on for quite some time, for quite some time. And they do. And it's not like I can criticize any one particular fight scene. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm the emperor from from Amadeus going like a few too many notes. I can't tell you which ones to get rid of. It's just the movie is just a little too long. 
it just is. I think it's, I think the movie slowed, started slowing for me. Um, And again, I hadn't seen this in a while, but it started slowing for me uh, when Jack and Will Turner are fighting in the um, blacksmith shop. It's a long fight. And I'm like, it is a long fight. And I'm like, it's fun to watch, but it's not driving the story. And for me, there was a certain point in the movie where I was like, we're almost over, right? And then I'm like, no, there's 50 more minutes. And right, and uh, right, Jack right, and right. Elizabeth have to be exiled on an island. And I was like, oh, we, we were getting near a climax here. Our heroes were confronting our villain. I I, I felt like we were almost done. And, right, and right, we are right. not. We got like another hour. No. Um, okay, so let's get into plot. And let's start. Let's do it. As we always do with the Manish Tana, and since this is the first episode of season six, I'll remind everybody that the Manish Tana comes from the Jewish holiday of Passover, where we ask the question, why is this night different from all other nights? When we apply this question to a movie, I ask, why do we start in this moment? Why is this moment different from all other moments? Why are we starting here? And we begin, we see a ship sailing in the ocean. Uh, on the on the deck of the ship, we see a young girl, and she's singing a pirate sea chanty, famous from the ride. Um, we quickly meet that see that while she's on this ship, uh, she's there. Uh, her father is on this ship. Uh, Commodore uh, Captain Norrington. At that point, Captain Norrington is captaining the ship. They reprimand her a little bit for like sort of jinxing them by calling out for pirates. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth then sees a young boy on a raft who gets rescued. She takes the um, weird looking gold medallion that marks him as a pirate off of his neck. Uh, and then the ship passes another ship, which has burned. It's like in wreckage. And and there's an ominous tone that pirates are in these waters and they are dangerous. Mm-hmm. And that is how this movie opens. At the end of this opening sequence, Elizabeth gasps, grown-up Elizabeth gasps, and comes out of a dream. But but I'm going to say that the Manishtana stops there. The second that she wakes Agree. up, that's where the Manishtana stops. So I'm going to ask, why are we starting here? What do you think? Well, we have to establish a few things, right? And I think this prologue of, of her as a young girl does it. She do, has to come into possession of this medallion. Um, and I think showing that she's enamored with pirates is a pretty good thing. And she's forbidden from their their world. She's And so she discovers this young pirate who is her age and she doesn't know much about him. But her instinct is to protect him. Right. And so the the prologue does a lot of this work for us. It's exposition to get us into the story. We're going to have a God's eye view of this plot. And so we're going to need to know some things from the outset. And I think here more so than in maybe some other places in this movie, it does a great job of showing us and not telling us. I, I think that that's, I think that's right. All right. So I'll move us into the plot exposition which is the background information that we need to know. I think we have a very lengthy bit of exposition. A lot of stuff happens in it. We learn that Captain Norrington is getting promoted to Commodore. 
we know that um, Will has grown up to become a blacksmith. We know that, uh, uh, you know, we're in Port Royal. Uh, you know, we get to we get to see this space, which we're going to be in for some time. We know that mm-hmm. pirates are being hunted and hung. And in on a ship that is slowly sinking as it makes its entrance is Captain Jack Sparrow. And the movie does a great job of demonstrating his character even before he says a single word, right? He's co- he's coming in in like this comical way, but he's holding himself as if he is a legend and that he expects that everything will work out for him uh, as as he goes as he goes through the movie. Mm-hmm. When I am not sure because there's so much that happens. Jack almost gets caught. He runs away. There's a fight with Will. Um, then, then there's all of this other stuff that happens. What do you think the inciting incident of this movie is? Because I had a hard time with this. There are multiple. I also things. did. Yeah, yeah. I say my my first thought was kind of in the beginning when Elizabeth the medallion because it makes her a bit of a pirate and if her arc is to become more of a pirate by the end and of course we know in the next uh, of course we haven't seen these movies so pretend we're in 2003 and we haven't seen the next two movies right we know that she is becoming a pirate right um so i i thought it was when she stole the medallion but then I wasn't quite sure. It can't be when she stole the medallion. It, no. If it was a movie that continued to take place with her as a child and move off of that uh, of yeah. that stand. As I'm fond of saying of the Harry Potter series, while it's very important that Harry's parents get killed, it's important to the story. It's not right. the inciting incident because the story takes place when he turns uh, 11 or 12 right right that's right that's where we pick up so that's all flashback that's all exposition if i was going to point to the medallion issue i would say the moment that elizabeth mm-hmm. swan falls into the water the the medallion gives off a signal which summons the pirates right right the problem with that being the inciting incident is when it's happening it's not clear how much of that registers to the audience that this is important, that something's going to come from that. I think there are signs that it is, um, mm-hmm. but it's also not a choice, right? Often we say inciting incidents is someone making a choice. Uh, she fell into the water, the the thing got submerged. It, it kind of isn't a happy accident. I could right. make the argument that Captain Jack Sparrow arriving in Port Royal is the inciting incident, but in fact it isn't. It isn't right. um, because because if all that happened was he came into Port Royal, there wouldn't be a movie, right? He would he would get hung. The movie would yeah. be over. So, and part of the problem, Andy, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, is the protagonist problem. I'm not sure who yeah. the movie thinks the primary protagonist is. So, I could say. I'm going to give you some options. We'll pick the one we like okay. the best. Okay. Fair I could enough. say falling into the water is an inciting incident. I okay. say Jack's decision to save her is an inciting incident, right? It Like, mm-hmm. like if he doesn't save her, we don't have a movie. I could say right. the pirates attacking Port Royal is the movie. 
I could mm-hmm. say Elizabeth's decision while Port Royal is being attacked to call for parlay, which is what mm-hmm. gets aboard the ship, is the inciting right. incident. Or if I think Will is the protagonist, Will's decision to release Captain Jack Sparrow and the two of them are going to leave to rescue Elizabeth could right. be the inciting incident. Because that's the first time. I mean, it, I mean, it feels very serial, doesn't it? It feels like there's a whole lot of things that have to happen. Um, and, and maybe we talk about protagonist problems because I don't know how to talk about it without doing that. If we don't know whose story this is, and, and let me be very, very clear, this this movie, like every good pirate movie, every character has a want. There are clear obstacles to that want. Those wants are in conflict. They are compelled to get what they want. And and that's all great. Um, but there's not that one person that we're really rooting for and watching. We're kind of rooting for all three of them at once. Right. And that's where and and when which is would be okay, uh, except it's difficult to the plot has an op- uh, it gets a little convoluted. Because we don't know what the story objective is. So without that inciting incident for the one person, I mean, you can have B stories and C stories going on, but without that stakes are raised, something happened that sets the world apart, like the world is off, right? You don't have uh, the opportunity to, to set the world aright. So does that so make sense? It totally makes sense. And when we talk about protagonists, generally speaking, protagonists have specific functions. They do specific things in the movie. Uh, and part of the reason I think we have trouble deciding who this is, is, okay, so I'll give you out some of the things a protagonist might do, right? Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, the protagonist confronts the antagonist. They have a battle. Right. In an right. action movie, you want to see your hero fighting your villain. Of these right. three, who does that? That's Jack. Jack right. has the long sword fight with Barbosa. Will has a role to play in that battle. Elizabeth has a role to play in that battle. But it is very clearly Jack's fight. So that's right. an argument for him being the protagonist. On the other hand, it's also the job of the protagonist to change and grow. And Jack do- does not, no. will not ever change and grow. Because he's a superhero, right? He's a superhero. He's also, he's also you know, he's a trickster. He, mm-hmm. We will learn things about him. But he's not someone who does self-reflection. He's not someone who at the end of the day goes, how could I be a better a better person at the, he's a right. pirate or I don't know who I am. I want to become something that I've never been before. Right. He knows exactly I'm drawn to, who he is. Exactly. He exactly. Very few illusions. Like he might be like a little, a little fame hungry and he, he might have an inflated opinion of himself. Mm-hmm. But, but that being said, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, all, like, if so, yeah, go ahead, sorry. But Elizabeth and Will both change over the course of this movie. Correct. I would so also do people change, I mean, could he be a protagonist who's a superhero that people 
grow and change because of his involvement in their lives? Do they or in spite of? I mean, he's yeah. not challenging them to become better. He's That's he's true. he's just being himself. I also think it's the role of a protagonist. Generally speaking, I've said this a lot of times, the protagonist is the one who travels to another world. We see mm-hmm. that other world through their eyes. Jack has already seen all of this pirate world this pirate world he's been to these islands before he's met our antagonist before he's got a lot of history the newcomers are elizabeth and will right so that's another protagonist thing that they do and at the end of the day with this movie that you and i both love right i could not say definitively this is this character's movie i couldn't pick one of them and say that it's theirs. And listen, you can have a movie with multiple protagonists. And if we want to say this is a movie with multiple protagonists, that's fine. But mm-hmm. but generally, you have a better sense of who the protagonist that you're rooting for is supposed to be. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. what I would say. I mean, I, I, a couple of times, like there's a moment at about, I think it's a, about maybe an hour into the movie where we take time out for the exposition. Mm-hmm. Like when we get the reveal of Turner's backstory and again, trap bill of it all. Right. Yes. Yes. And it's a telling, it's not a showing. Right. Um, if Turner were the protagonist, it would be far better for him to discover who he is than for a couple of dudes to talk about it. Right? It would be better for his father to be one of these pirates in this movie. I yes. know, I know they're see. Well, I don't know that they're saving it. I don't know that they knew there was going to be a sequel if they were going to release this on DVD. I know right. that they're going to take up the. We're going to see Bootstrap in Pirates of the Caribbean too. I know, right? I know we're going to see him there, but he's needed here. He's needed here in order for that reveal to be dynamic in some way, mm-hmm. right? If Barbosa was Will's son. Of Will's father. Yeah. That, that would be amazing. Right? That would really, and that would change whose antagonist Barbosa is. Barbosa doesn't really care about Will or Elizabeth. He sees them as means to the end, but he doesn't right. really establish relationships with them. He's got right. a relationship with Jack. He's Jack's antagonist. And if Barbosa was Will's father, he could be Will's antagonist. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's so really the the issue with with Elizabeth and Will is their unrequited love, right? That's that they can't get together. Um, Which might work out even if none of this pirate stuff happened. Agree, agree. It yeah, it's 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 messy. The plot's messy for sure. What is- saves this plot? What saves this plot are the actors. Oh, the performances are great. This definitely feels like when you're when you're saying, and then they brought in this writer, and then they brought in this writer. This definitely feels like all of these writers have contributions to this movie, right. and and all of them were great craftspeople mm-hmm. and created great scenes and, and and brought something to this to the point that you didn't want to cut any of it, but something right. needed to go. Yeah, agree. So getting us through plot just a little bit more, because I do want to get to the character of it all. Sure. I'm not sure what 
the climax of this movie is as I'm watching it. Because we did get to a point where I thought that we had gotten to the climax. Um, the, the interceptor was fighting with the black pearl. We had Jack's pirates fighting with, uh, Barbosa's, with Barbosa's pirates. Uh, Will was about to rescue Elizabeth. Everything seemed, mm-hmm. all the ingredients seemed to be there for this to be the confrontation. Right. But it's not. No. What would you say the climax is? I think we have multiple things going on. Um, I think the last there there's, you know, when Jack shoots Barbosa to save Elizabeth and Will's bloods on the coins and all the crew comes back to life. That feels climactic. That feels like the big one to me. If I had to pick one, it would be that. And then Jack's <laughs> facing hanging, right? Will tells Elizabeth he loves her. Will intervenes to stop Jack's hanging. And then the two of them become partners in in crime, right? And Elizabeth saves them both using her privilege. That feels sort of climactic, but it's kind of anticlimactic because the Barbosa scene is so big. The Barbosa scene should be the climax. So I have a complaint about the ending of this movie, The Falling Action. So anything after the climax is falling action, right? This falling action feels like the scene just keeps ending and then Mm -hmm. just keeps going. Um, There's an attempt to rescue Jack and you could just have Will rescue Jack and Elizabeth and they could sail off on the boat, but that doesn't happen. Will, Will and Jack get captured. Now we have to have another uh, climax where Elizabeth comes in and then Mm -hmm. the father comes in and intervenes on that. And then Commodore Norrington says, you know what? We can give Jack a head. Like we're just, the movie just keeps having ending lines. It's like, I don't know what moment we want to end on. So we're going to do all the moments Right. Every single option for what would be a good button for this scene, we're going to do all of them. And I might not mind that in a movie that was less than two hours long. Right. In a movie that is two hours and 20 something, I'm like, at some point, I need to leave the theater and go to the bathroom. I agree with you. I think some of the, and again, I, I think some of the fight scenes go on just a little long. Um I think that's part of the problem, but I mean, I love a all good of fight it. scene and I, I, I love all of this. I, thought, I saw it on the big screen. I don't remember thinking it was too long when I saw it. I think our sensibilities have changed somewhat. Uh, and so that, that plays comes into play here that the expectations we bring to movies in uh, 2023 are very different than 2003. But, but I agree with you. Like the fighting evil Barbosa feels evil. The British government doesn't feel as evil to me. Does that make sense? Well, it does. But Jack, Jack sort of has to face them. And I guess we have to set up the sequels, right? The, the British government is, if it's evil here, and, and I'm willing to say that it is, it is a mundane earthly evil. The pirates right. are the undead. Supernatural. Yes. And, yes, yes. and, I am of the opinion that no matter what your politics are, the living band together to fight the dead. You and I might have different views on healthcare, but neither one of us wants to be a zombie, so we're friends. 
Right, That's- exactly. Exactly. So it it would make sense to me to have this second climax flipped so that Jack's facing a hanging as an all hope, you know, all hope is lost moment, right? And then they go to fight Barbosa after that. I would flip those things. I mean, we've been here before. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. other thing. Jack mm-hmm. was being set up for hanging earlier in this movie. Right. Um, and we're just right back to where to where we started from. It, right. it just feels like we've... Which is kind it. of a romp. I mean, it's kind of a rompy thing to like go, oh, you escaped the noose. Oh, you're going to escape it again. I mean, it, it's fun. It's funny. And... And I think Johnny Depp does he does such a great job with this. All of it so is, I almost I almost don't care, right? All of it is good. Yes. All of it is good. There's just too much of a good thing. And I think and I think that's, that's how it. I there it is. But yeah. I have I have two points I want to bring up one about the fighting and then I really want to talk about the falling action after the falling action. Oh sure, so, sure. Yeah. So here's the thing about the fighting being too long. The stakes aren't in the fighting. And by that, I mean, we see people die. None of them have names. None of them are people that we've spent any time with. Anyone who has a line of dialogue in this movie lives. Anyone who gets established camera time lives. And because of that, none of the pirates can die because they're already dead. Right? Uh, But I never worried that Will or Jack or Elizabeth or any of our side characters are going to perish in these fights. If you killed one of them, just one of them, Mm -hmm. it raises the tension for every other fight scene because we might lose other characters. And we certainly have characters who are expendable, who who we don't need for story purpose anymore. They're colorful and we might enjoy them. But I think for the for the future fight scenes to pay off, we have to really be worried that our characters are going to perish. Mm-hmm. And and I don't I don't know that that tension is here. I, I agree with you. I wonder if that tension's not there because this is a family friendly movie, but at the same time, there the, there are there is death, right? So people get their throats slit. Cut. We see the pirates. We see the but pirates. We don't know be- them, so we don't care about them. Larry. We see the pirates become skeletons. Right, you know, right, right. like, like yeah. if you if you're bringing your kid to this movie, watching a main character die is not the thing that's going to scare them, right? Right. Maybe the demon monkey will scare them. You know, right. That's it's there. And by the way, this movie does have an after the credits cutscene, which was a relatively new thing for Disney to be doing in 2000 mm-hmm. in 2003 right. um which is that we see that the monkey has gone back to the treasure and he steals a coin and gets cursed again mm-hmm. um oh that monkey uh my, my my youngest son said why did he do that and i'm like because he's a monkey and monkeys steal that's why that's what they do so the falling action in this movie is also sort of problematic to me because jack's back captaining the ship right he's singing yes. yoho and but who was singing Yoho in the beginning? It was Elizabeth. And I want I want more Elizabeth. I want her to have the falling action and not Jack. I wonder if this was the original ending of the movie. And mm-hmm. if by the time that they got towards the end of this, they realized they were going to make sequels to it. That they had mm-hmm. that sure. by, by the point they were done. They're like, this is gold. 
And in order to have future stories, Elizabeth and Will can't be on the ship with Jack. Right. And Norrington says, right, what does Norrington say? I'll give him a head start, right? Right. That sets up the whole... uh, There's going to be more story. We just need to get all of our crayons back into their respective boxes. Will and Elizabeth need to be in Port Royal uh, so that they can be reunited with Jack later. Whereas if this was a one-and-done movie... Yeah, I think they would be on the ship with him, which is where we want them to be. Right, right. All right, let's talk about characters. Um, I've listed them in order of who I think the protagonist is. Controversial. <laughs> so Elizabeth Swan, Kara Knightley. Um, what? I, <laughs> I think she's sort of passive um, in a way. I want to see her do more fighting and do more than just faint. Um, since but we have I think the benefit yeah. of seeing the future movies, I will right. tell you that one through three, it becomes clear in watching the three movies she's the protagonist. In yeah. just watching this one, I don't know, but I think yeah. I think you're right to list her first with 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 the advantage of knowing knowing what's going to happen in the next two. Mm-hmm. But you're right; she's uh, passive in this one. I mean, she's beautiful and fun, and clearly she's got it set up so that she has her pick between the Commodore, between Jack Sparrow, between Will Turner. Um, And, you know, I think, I think she has, like, like, it's clear that Jack's not the guy. It's clear that the Commodore's not the guy. But there's sort of this classist struggle with Will because he's just a blacksmith, right? He, um, he is, but she doesn't seem to care about that at all. And I think she fell in love with him the minute she took the medallion off of his off of his neck to save him from. Because if they had discovered this kid was a pirate, right, they'd have killed him. I don't know that she had to be in love with him to do that. I think mm-hmm. she could have just recognized this is a kid like me, and right. and it, it's actually more of a comment comment on who. Norrington and her father is that mm-hmm. she knows that they would kill this child because right. he's wearing a pirate medallion. Right. And and if this movie were willing to be like make her father more oppressive, which I argue he should be, um I would be worried about her ability to re- rebel against her father. Right. In the same way that Ariel's enemy isn't really Ursula, it's Triton. I kind right. of I kind of want Elizabeth's enemy to be her dad. Because he's And he comes off as indulgent, doesn't he? I mean he comes off as like kind of ultimately you know telling her no, but then ultimately giving her what she wants, right? And I think she if she if he were around. more Yeah, if he were more of a formidable foe, I think that might work out a little better for us. This is a movie where thematically this is about Jack's way of life is about freedom. And mm-hmm. Norrington's way of life is about obeying the rules. Um, mm-hmm. And what we want to see is Elizabeth choose a life of freedom over playing by somebody else's rules. But the right. rules aren't Norrington's. Norrington enforces them. The rules are her father's. Mm-hmm. And and they don't really apply to her. She's right. She, she kind of has that freedom already. Uh, so she's kind of buttoned down, and I think as we get as we get through the movie, she becomes more free. She needs an antagonist. That's what she needs, and that's that's the reason why I would say, I would say 
unfortunately, she fails the protagonist test here, is she needs someone who thinks of her as the enemy. There's a mm. number of characters who think of her as the object. Uh, and I, I suppose we could make a case that the patriarchy uh, is the antagonist of this film, but I don't, I, I, I don't think it is. I think it's Barbosa. I, the, right. We, we need a strong patriarchal antagonist for her to be rebelling against. And, I agree. And it, it's just not there. Yeah. And a few tweaks make that this happen, I think. Um, Wouldn't take a so lot. We'll t- yeah. yeah, yeah. Will Turner, Orlando Bloom. Um, he's so sweet, isn't he? <laughs> he really more is. than More than anything he's else. He's so honorable. He's honorable. Well, I like a protagonist who is all in on on his romantic uh, uh, object of his affections, right? Mm-hmm. He is so clearly like I mean, he says he says it early on to Jack. He says, "I will die to save Elizabeth." And consistently throughout the movie, he lives that truth to the point where Jack even makes fun of him and says, look, right. everybody's getting what they want. I get, I get a ship. She gets to live. You get to die for her. That we, we've all achieved our stated goals. <laughs> it's so great. So great. Okay, it kind of makes you want, I don't know that that was in the script. It kind of feels ad-libbed a little bit. Like maybe the director was saying those kinds of things. To, I want to give the credit uh, to and the Jackson. writers. We have no okay. reason to not think the writers <laughs> came up with that masterful line. Fair, fair enough. Fair um, enough. You know, but but uh, the other thing about him is he's got some self-loathing for being low-born. It's not right. an issue for Elizabeth. It's an issue for him. There's a there's a classist self-esteem thing at play with him, which is he could be great except for his birth. And he's got, and well, let's see if he is the protagonist of this movie. He certainly has a number of antagonists. Um, He has Captain Jack as an antagonist. He has Barbosa as an antagonist. He has Swan and Commodore Norrington is, yeah, I mean, if only any of them thought about him for more than two seconds, <laughs> same problem. Yeah, same problem. Yeah. Norrington, if Norrington actually felt threatened by Will's relationship to Elizabeth, and Norrington should feel threatened by it. I mean, at he one point, a little right, but he feels more threatened by Jack Sparrow. I think. Norrington says to says to Will, look, I, I know you're in love with her. I am too. So so what? You know, like you're not gonna do anything. He's never worried that Will's gonna win her heart. Yeah. He, he, he never true. does anything to actively sabotage Will. Will makes choices that allow Norrington Norrington to arrest him, but that wasn't Norrington's plan. Norrington was ignoring him. Wow, that 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 phrase rolls off the tongue. <laughs> That was not yeah. intentional, but That's it was. Fine. I mean, it you was. Can't, yeah. we have these two protagonists who are in these movies and no one notices them or sees them. Right. Right. If, because the central conflict is has Jack. nothing to do with them. It's Jack the central conflict. Yeah. That's the central conflict. The, the curse of the black pearl. And really it's, it's not that the black, well, anyway, but yes, yes, I agree with you. Okay, Captain Jack Sparrow, Johnny Depp. I mean, how do you not love him? In, amazing. In, he's, he's a trickster. 
right? He is. He's yeah. mischievous. He's mm-hmm. funny. Mm-hmm. He's self-aware. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he lives in the moment, but he's also 10 steps ahead, which seems mm-hmm. contradictory, but you can never tell which one he is at any moment. Is he this guy who only sees what's directly in front of him, or is he playing this massive four-dimensional chess where he's got his end result ahead of him? And, right, and, and I he's think- the pirate. He's the pirate that Elizabeth and Will really, I mean, both of them aspire to sort of be him. They They may not say they admire him, but they do. You know, so so the funny the funny thing is, I don't think I don't think they want to be him. I think they want to be who he claims to be. Right. The legend of Jack Sparrow, when they're actually confronted with what it's really like to be around Jack Sparrow, neither one of them can stand him. Right, right. Uh, Well, yeah, that's um, that's a distinction. Yes. Okay. You know, I'll I'll concede that. So sure. if, if Jack was the pirate Jack thought he was, then maybe Will and Elizabeth would want to be him. But but Jack is Jack is crafting a fraud here. His legend is a fraud. We learn that when he's on the island and like he's made up these stories of how he escaped. And the answer was, yeah, there were rum runners on, uh, on the island. So maybe, Larry, he really is the protagonist because he's somebody who goes from talking to actually doing. I think he's always doing. Here's here's my theory about Jack. Okay. Jack is going through life on the open door philosophy. When he sees an open door in front of him, he goes for it. He just expects that when his ship is sinking, that he, he's going to be at the dock and he's going to step there. There is a moment where Elizabeth falls off the fort and into the water. Right. And Jack turns to the two soldiers and says, are you guys going to rescue her? And they're like, we can't swim. And in Jack's brain, <laughs> in Jack's brain, this is what I think is happening. This is this is my connection to him. His, in his huh. brain, he's like, oh, is she falling from the castle so she can be the distraction that gets these two guys off the dock so that I can steal the ship? And right. when they say they can't swim, he goes, oh, she's the person I have to rescue to get to the next step of whatever opportunity is going to come my way. So he's an opportunist. I just, I don't think, I just think he's always going through the door and trusting that the door will lead him where he needs to go. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, as a metaphor, he has a compass that doesn't point North. The compass points him where he needs to go, not North. He's got no true North. He's just going, he's just going where the, where the universe takes him and, and just assuming he'll be able to get out of it eventually. Yeah. I just, I just don't, I I would love to see him. If we're going to say that he's changed, what's the change? What was the the change? change, Well, the change is he's actually doing things. He's actually, he's actually, uh, earned the the captain title right nobody, we never really learned why he him that but we never learned why he lost it we know that we know that barbosa yeah. mutinied what was it that jack did that allowed barbosa to successfully mutiny against jack that's we don't kind really know do we and if that's the thing if we know what that thing is that was his flaw then we can point to it later on and say it was corrected 
Um, and now he's a better pirate. I don't right. think he, I just think he's been through some things. Um, what's on the horizon for Jack is whatever is next, whatever is next. And what I don't think when they were making this movie, they were thinking of sequels. I maybe, maybe later they did. Maybe towards um, the end. I agree. Towards the end. But I feel like a lot of this is sort of exposition work for what we were about to see later. Um, maybe. Don't know. Um, Captain Barbosa, who I think is a great villain. Fantastic villain. Wonderful. Wonderful performance by Jeffrey Rush. Um, he, there's a scene between him and Elizabeth where he's feeding her mm -hmm. and she realizes that it's poison and it's, it's creepy and. But it's not poisoned. She's worried no. it's poisoned. It's not poisoned. He is vicariously through her remembering what it's like to eat. He hasn't eaten in 10 years. Right. So when he's right. watching her eat, he's, it's as close as he can get to feeling the sensation of taste. I know uh, it's a, it's, a, it's creepy and it's a great scene. weird and wonderful. It's a wonderful Cause on the scene. one hand, he's not doing anything wrong, but there's a right. wrongness to the pleasure that he's getting from watching her yes. do this. Agree. Agree. He's using her in a way yeah. in which she should not be used. Oh, he's right. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And we can foil him with Jack. He and Jack Correct. are foils that was, for yeah, each was, other. Yes, I was going to ask you to talk about the foiling because that's clear. It's clear that Barbosa is a foil for Jack. Um, yeah, so, go ahead. Sorry. So, so Barbosa is the perfect pirate in the sense that he does all the things a pirate should do. He commands mm -hmm. the respect of his crew. He's dangerous. He's got a monkey. Uh, he's got a big hat. He even does, uh, he brings me back to the treasure, the treasure island of it all, the Long John Silver from Treasure Island. Yeah. Sort of yar in his voice, sort of, not, mm -hmm. not that he's, not that he's inarticulate because he's intelligent, but, but that he is the pi perfect pirate villain. Mm -hmm. Jack pretends to be the perfect pirate villain, but Jack is something else. Jack, Jack doesn't command respect. Of his of his crew through his bearing through his stature, he he commands it through his myth, the legend right. of what it is to be uh, Jack Sparrow. Mm -hmm. Barbosa wants to get rid of his mythology. Barbosa is now this monster skeleton. He doesn't want to be a legend. He wants to be a man. Right. Jack doesn't want to just be a man. He wants to he wants be to immortal. Be a legend. In the right. sense of famous. One of the first thing he says is, you, you have heard of me though. Everyone's heard of me. The most, he says to people, you will always remember this as the day you almost caught Jack Sparrow because right. he can see the stories being written about him. Right. And, and in that way, the two of them are, but also Jack does good things. And Jack does bad things throughout this movie, but all of the things he does are stories. Right. Because he knows that's how you make your legend. By telling stories. He's a rock star. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's who he is. He's, he's the rock star of the Caribbean. Yeah. I, uh, but uh, we mentioned Governor Swan earlier. Um, as wanting him to be more of a 
um, antagonist to Elizabeth. Yeah, that's. I, but I think I think Jonathan Price does a great job with this with what he has. Jonathan Price sure. is, is a very good actor. The role is not written the way that I want it to be written. That's not that's, that's not right. his fault. He's written like yeah. Squire Trelawney from Treasure Island. Okay, that you're stealing my notes. Larry. I'm sorry. That, I um, no, that's okay. I mean, he is written that way. He's written that way of like uh, not really seeing, like wanting what he wants, but not really seeing the intricacies of how uh, his want impacts other people. Right. You get Including a sense the that pirates, right? He wants yeah. a certain amount of adventure that will be safe. He wants right. he, he, he's foppish, you know, in a way. He does have his and want, naive, right? Yeah. He's he is more of a child than Elizabeth is a child. What yet another one of these Disney princesses who has to parent their immature father. Um, right? And we, right, we have a bunch right. of those. Bell Bell has to do that with with her father. Jasmine has to parent the Sultan, and Elizabeth yeah. probably should be parenting Governor Swan. He's not a great yeah. leader of men. He's he's a kid. He's a big kid in a grown up wearing a costume. And then there's Commodore Norrington, uh, Jack Davenport's character, who is just a rule follower. Right, more he's than committed that. to the crown. He's he's, but he's perfect, Andy. Yeah, it, but perfectly gross. I mean, like we don't like him, right? We don't like him because he's not fun. He is. Yeah, that's it. Perfect. He is exactly who he's by the book. The right. commodore of the British, uh, this portion of the British Navy is supposed to be. He is mm-hmm. honorable in his dealings. Uh, when asked repeatedly to choose between the personal and the private wants, he's like, he's like, well, you know, it is my duty to apprehend pirates. Uh, Jack is right. Yes, I want the, like, there's a little bit of the fame in there. Jack plays that bit. If you're the one who takes down the Black Pearl, you're a legend, right? Right, but, right. But it is also his duty to do it. Um, you know, he, he, he never compromises. He releases Elizabeth from her wedding contract, which right. he doesn't arguably. He doesn't, he doesn't really put up a fight, does he? He doesn't really. No, put because up he any respects kind of her wishes. Yeah. In this way, yeah. which I think he shouldn't, because then he could be an antagonist. Right. If um, were, yeah, a better end. I think he and Will should fight each other, right? He and Will. I, mean, I think there's should fight each other, but Elizabeth. He, you could make him Elizabeth's enemy in the way that Gaston right. is both Elizabeth and, and is, sorry, Gaston is Belle and Beast's enemy. Norrington should be both Elizabeth's enemy and and Will's enemy. But he's not Gaston. Elizabeth asks could be Jafar. He, yeah. he Elizabeth asks Norrington for stuff and Norrington for the most part gives it when within his duty. He can't release criminals until right. the end when he does. Right. He's he's even more ruled by her at the end of the movie than he was when he started. Uh, so well, what because he's like, she's the governor's daughter and he has to respect that position and where he is. And the so, governor yeah, is a, I am convinced the governor is a figurehead. I'm I'm convinced Norrington is calling the shots uh and is deferring to the governor out of politeness because he's right. polite. Uh Norrington is a forgettable character when people talk about the franchise. 
I don't right. think people have a conversation about him. I think the performance is really good. I think it's yeah, really, but it's politeness versus passion. I think the character isn't given yeah. enough interesting decisions to make. Yeah. And I think when we're writing our characters, we need to make sure that they have good decisions that either or decisions that they could make. And all of these, all of these things have wants. There are definitely story purposes for either of for for all of these characters. But I think making sure they have a fork, each of them has a fork in the road that impacts the lives of others is really important. Sometimes that happens in this movie and, and sometimes not. I think I think we're talking about the foiling maybe more then you can ever talk about foiling in a movie that goes from writer to writer to writer. Yeah. Because you're, you're stuck with these characters that somebody else created. Um, and then you change them and you lose sense of the original intention in mm -hmm. crafting these opposites from one another. And who, right. the, I, I don't want to see this movie suffers from multiple writers because it's a good movie. I think our analysis of this movie suffers from the fact that there are multiple writers and it's impossible yeah. to discern the intentions of the individual writers involved. Right. Because if you saw this movie and you were like, okay, if, let's say the original movie was made and let's say that Elizabeth and, and Will Turner has to release Jack Sparrow in order to save Elizabeth. And that's the crux of the movie is that Will and Jack are in conflict and you know, good. he has to partner with evil in order to do the good, right? Then that would make Will sort of the protagonist of the movie. It would be a little clearer. When they added this supernatural Barbosa and Sparrow, which is arguably more interesting than oh, the original for sure. plot. Oh, for right? sure. Um, but kept those original elements. I think that's where it gets a little convoluted, perhaps. I think you're right. I think I think you're right. And And yet, it still works. I it's love this movie. All, yes, all, I know exactly. Right, all of my we just planes fall away. Um, it's it's really the lessons that I learn that are maybe not as satisfying as the experience of watching it. Uh, right. Movies can be a little messy. There's, there's, yeah, you know, they don't have to be perfect. And, right, but if you're writing something and you're throwing it to someone, you want to make sure that you keep all those things in mind. Right, I think. Right. And, you know, our goal is to focus on the writing here. And so right. that's that's where we come. And so pitching, uh, it's pitch time. Oh, so, I haven't done this so, in a while. I mean, I know. So given the five films in this franchise and uh, there's a, they keep talking about a sixth one, I think it goes in and out. Um, what would we do with this material? OK, well, yes, there are five films in this franchise, <laughs> but there are also novels that take place in the Pirates of, of the Caribbean universe. Mm -hmm. And in one of those novels, there is a character, a pirate lord, who uh, Jack respects and, and uh, is interested in meeting up with. But this character mysteriously disappeared for a long period of time in the Seven Seas. Um, and that character's name, canonically, is James Hook. And nobody knows... Uh where James Hook disappeared from in, in the Caribbean, but they do know that when, whenever he does come back from wherever he was, he hasn't aged a day and he's got a hook for a hand now. Uh, and so I'm saying this movie does take place in the Peter Pan universe, but I would love to see Jack Sparrow versus Peter Pan. I want to see, Ooh. 
because all of the themes about Jack Sparrow personally and about Peter personally, about being a legend, about playing at being hero Our versus villain. They're perfect foils, Larry. Peter oh, Pan work. doesn't want to grow up, but good neither form, does Larry. Jack. <laughs> and I actually wonder if maybe what I want is is a three-person thing, Hook, Sparrow, Pan at Neverland, where Sparrow is constantly playing all the sides against each other. Um, mm. The pirate code to talk to Hook, um, you know, trying to get to Pan's treasure before Hook does, playing with, you know, I can see a sequence in which uh, Jack Sparrow is reluctantly following the leader wearing wearing an animal skin. Uh, <laughs> the, I, I, I see it. I see it. And so that is that is my pitch. And it is within the rules of it's not even a mashup because the novel connects those universes. That's what I say. I love it. What have you well, got for us? Well, it's not much of a pitch, but uh, more of a point that I'd like to explore a little further. So doing a little digging in 1717, the governor of the Bahamas at the behest of the King of England granted a pardon for all pirates. And there was an amnesty granted and like 400 pirates took advantage of it. And many of them became wealthy noblemen. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what if Jack Sparrow takes the British government up on this offer, right? What if he's getting older? He wants to live out his retirement years. Maybe he becomes the clergyman he pretended to be. Oh, um, oh, oh, wow. Right. (laughs) And, And maybe, yeah, could that be the setup for an inciting incident where he chooses to leave retirement for one more romp? on the high seas. And and what's fun about this is I think it reveals so much about us that for you when you're looking for IP you go to the historical record <laughs> and you read about about law and politics of of the colonial seas era whereas I go to a a probably bargain bin library sale <laughs> buy a pirates of the caribbean novel for 10 cents and look for a minor character to to uh to connect these things i i think we've revealed something about our personalities here i think you know who's to say and it takes it takes all kinds to make this podcast so. right right there you go <laughs> Well, if you like what you're hearing, will you do us a favor and share this podcast with another Disney or classic movie fan? If you write a review, we'd be so pleased. You can check us out at www.onceuponadisneypodcast.com. What? You can ch- we have a website? <gasps> we have a website. Yay. I'm so excited. You can check out our Facebook page. Uh, you can read our blogs on the on the. Uh, podcast website can't believe we have a podcast website and you can drop i never approved that (laughs) liar or you can drop us a line in our mailbag at once upon a disney podcast at gmail.com so until next time friends see you real soon dead podcasters tell no tales